All right, welcome everybody to our podcast. Uh, we have just finished up the practice prayer series, of course, centered around the idea that Jesus presents to us at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, where he, after a couple of chapters for us of his teaching, he kind of gives a warning. He gives a warning of a wise and foolish disciple. Um, a bunch of people have just heard his his teaching, and he basically is saying, uh, you will be wise if you put these into practice. You will be foolish if you don't. And so our goal as Mill City Church, as followers of Jesus, is to be wise disciples, be wise followers of Jesus that are hearing his teachings, but integrating them into our lives so that we are people of peace. We are people that don't worry. Uh, we are people who are not anxious. We are people who love our enemies. We are those who walk in his way. We are meek and we are uh, able, we're poor in spirit as it talks about in the Beatitudes and so many of the other teachings of Jesus. And so throughout these this last year, we have been talking about ways that we integrate and prayer being one of them. Uh, and so uh, we're going to take some little time and uh, come together and talk a little bit with one of our overseers, a dear friend mm. and pastor of New Life Fellowship in Queens, New York. So welcome, Rich. So good to be here, Mark. I mean, a gift to be with you and yeah, excited for our conversation. Me too. So so I'd love to hear, um, maybe just to start, uh, share a, a bit about your journey with prayer. You know, you, we have journeys with God. Uh, maybe we have a salvation experience. Maybe mm. we have a, a moment or, or a church journey, all that. But in many ways, there's also a prayer journey. Um, maybe yeah. talk a little bit about that. Some of my early um, memories of prayer uh, was uh, through my Aunt Lydia. My Aunt Lydia, I remember being on the subway. She would have me pray for the train to come fast. So I'd, I'd be with her on the platform in New York, and she'd say, let's pray that the train would come on time so we can get to where we need to go. So hmm. this is me at a really young age. And so I would pray, Lord, make the train come fast. So that's like my first conceptions of moments when I would pray to God. Um, I would also uh, hear about prayer because I would attend the small church of my grandparents uh, at 10, 11 years old of a means of really God uh, intervening on my behalf. And so my earliest conceptions of prayer was uh, I need God to intervene on my behalf. There's some problem, some distress, some lack. Um, I need God to intervene. Then I become a Christian, 19 years old. I have a radical kind of eye-opening moment with Jesus. And then I get discipled by my grandfather. Hmm. And I would just, at that point, just his, um, by his modeling of prayer, I learned something about a new kind of approach to it. And his approach was rooted in stillness. Um, he would, I would go with him to church after I became a Christian, and he would get on his knees at, on the pew mm. and just stay there, no, no words, uh, and just stay there for a number of moments, sometimes 20, 30 minutes. And I would get on my knees as well next to him, and I couldn't get up before he did because it felt like I'd be in trouble. <laughs> so I'd wait to him. So, so I wasn't praying at that point. At this point, I'm twiddling my thumbs and going, Grandpa, still, what else is he doing here? Um, and so it was really a reverence of the holy. Mm. That prayer was a recognition that there is a holy God who is um, as real 
to me as like this microphone in front of me. And this holy God um, is looking for my attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so from that point on, even though he was a Pentecostal past, uh, minister or a Pentecostal deacon in the church, he had a contemplative life. And so early on, I saw that as, you know, being with God. From, from that point on, uh, I would go back into some, of, not, I wouldn't call them old habits, but ways of intercession and I need God to do something on my behalf. Uh, and then I was introduced to the desert tradition. And from that mm-hmm. point on, I would say by the time I was 22, 23 years old, uh, contemplative prayer became the primary way that I was connecting with God, that it was connection with God based in stillness and in silence. Mm. It didn't mean that I didn't have words to say because there were plenty of words that I would say, but what took priority was prayer is presence, being present to the presence of God, Mm. Um, full stop. And out of that, words are spoken. And I think that that's what has characterized my prayer journey over the last 20 years now, the prioritizing of being with God for the sake of being with God. Mm. Not to get anything, although God is so gracious to give, but just to be with God. Well, I love the <clears throat> the the ways that we move in yeah. prayer, and and maybe there's an element of maturity mm. uh, that happens in prayer where it's not. Um, maybe it, we can characterize it kind of like with our relationships with other people. I think yeah. the more mature our relationship and the more safe and secure we feel in a relationship with others, the less we feel a pressure to speak, yeah. you know, um, Jossie and I can sit with one another and not be talking and not feel like, is there something wrong? Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe something <clears throat> is like that with God. Yeah. In many ways you could measure the level of intimacy someone has with someone by their ability to be present, to be silent with one another. And, um, which is why, you know, one of my favorite quotes, um, about prayer comes from mother Teresa Someone interviewed her one day and said, when you pray, what do you say to God? And she said, nothing. I listen. And the person said, well, what does God say if you're listening? And she responded, nothing. God <laughs> listens. And the person was so confused, like, what are you talking about here? And she said, there's no other way that I could explain prayer of presence to present to the other person's presence. And um, the, the more, you know, we live in a society where Prayer and relationships are marked by verbosity, lots of speaking. Um, but the greatest sign or one of the greatest signs of intimacy is just the sharing of simple presence without the need for words. And um, that's not all there is to prayer, but I think that's a missing ingredient mm. in the way that people typically think about prayer. Because prayer is usually about what I can, what can I get from here? It's very transactional. Mm. I say particular words with a particular level of intensity for a particular amount of time, and God is supposed to do God's part. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think we see that level of intensity in like the book of Psalms, uh, but that's not the only way to be with God. Mm-hmm. And so the words are important, but so is simple presence too. Mm-hmm. So good. So, so with that in mind, uh, let's just kind of take a little turn towards the practical and then we'll ask him other yeah. kind of talk some bigger questions as well. So what does it look like? What does it look like for you or what, how would you um, encourage somebody to pray? What would that, that time look like? Yeah. You know, um, 
when I think about the time, I'll, I'll talk about my own journey. Um, it's very simple and practical. So I, there's, there's no need to make this thing super spiritual. Yeah, great. And no need to make it like, oh, uh, for uh, super Christians or spiritually elite people. This is for every single person. And so I, I, set, I set a timer. I start with that. <laughs> um, there's an app that I use on, on contemplative prayer that just, it starts with like a chime reminding me like I'm in a monastery or something like that. <laughs> and my goal, number one, is to spend three, five, ten, if I want to get really uh, serious with it, 15, 20. I once did this for 30 minutes. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> um, but let's say five minutes. I set my timer. The bell goes off. And what do I do? I have a an anchoring word to keep me present to Jesus. And my word, my phrase really is, Jesus, here I am. That is my daily prayer. Jesus, here I am. And when my mind gets distracted, as it does over and over again, I say, Jesus, here I am. So I'll, I'll do that for five minutes, 10 minutes. At that point, um, I, I prayerfully read through the Psalms. So the Psalms become my prayer. The words on, in Scripture now, I'm making them my own. So now I'm offering words to God. You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's kind of, in many ways, stage two of my time with God, which can be 15, 20, 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be like hours. After my Psalm reading, I take out my journal. And that's an opportunity for me to name what's on my heart. A good definition of prayer is prayer is lifting mind and heart to God. Mm. And whatever's in there, Ron Ruhlheiser talks about every feeling, every thought becomes mm. a kind of an access point to pray. And so we don't have to wait until our thoughts are holy before we pray, Great. which is a big yeah. obstacle that people have like oh i'm not ready i mean i'm, I'm mad I, I i i'm not in the right mode to pray mm. it's like well you're, if you're going to wait until everything's okay and you're holy enough mm -hmm. and spiritual enough you might be waiting a long time right and so the <laughs> and invitation so maybe the invitation is towards if you're mad it might be the best time to pray it might be pray your anger mm, yeah pray your sadness pray your lust pray your envy pray your disappointment pray your doubts um, we don't, we, we, we don't wait till we arrive. You know, this is, this is why I love the prayers of the Psalms and Jesus prays these prayers as well. My God, my God, why have you forsaken mm -hmm. me? He didn't wait until he was feeling, you know, he, he didn't wait until, you know, you're, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. No, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. And that's, it became an entry point for Jesus to pray. And so if we're waiting until we feel all holy and super spiritual to pray, we might be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. And so my prayer, silence, scripture, um, that journaling piece, is it's often about self-examination. So if I can alliterate here, silence, scripture, self-examination. And then I end my time often uh, with kind of supplication. I'm thinking about who do I want to bring before God? Mm -hmm. You know, who's on my heart? There are times where I'm just, I, a person comes to mind and I just... I want to hold them before Jesus and say, Lord, you know what's going on there. And then I'm, and then I'm done. Then the timer gets, you know, 20 minutes. I stand up 
And Aaron, at the end of just about every prayer, this is I end my prayer in two ways. Number one, I pray the Our Father. That's the prayer Jesus gave us to pray. Mm-hmm. So I pray it slowly. And I end with this. Lord, may I love you with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may I love my neighbor as myself, beginning with my first neighbors. I'm thinking about my wife and my children, those who I'm, I'm closest to mm-hmm. in terms of proximity. And, and because the goal of prayer is love. And, and so I get up and then go about my business. And, and there are moments where I feel a sense of like, wow, God's presence and I'm more tender. And there are times where I'm still a bit irritable. <laughs> And I probably need some more time with God. <laughs> <laughs> and Rosie goes to me, looks like you need, you need to pray some more. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, you know, this series, um, this practice series, you know, the goal, every practice we've talked about is that every, to pray is not, the, to do prayer is not the goal. It is a means to an end. Yeah. Right. It's to, we don't just do Sabbath. It's a means to an end. for something that God would produce in our hearts. We practice this in order to cultivate something. How, what would you say are, uh, what is the, the end in terms of prayer that is, that is about transformation is the, what is, how does prayer lead to transformation? How does prayer lead to integration? Yeah. As we talked about, you know, kind of setting this podcast up. Yeah. I think the, the end of prayer, the goal, the telos, the aim, the goal, um, if I can think of it in one word, it is communion. It's, I want to live in loving communion before God, loving communion with my neighbor. Um, it's, prayer is very, the, the fruit of prayer is typically thought of as an answer to a particular request. Mm-hmm. And that's the fruit, getting the particular mm. thing. And that's the goal of it. And um, that's not to diminish, again, the importance of intercession, supplication, petition. Um, but I, I do think the fruit and the goal of prayer is communion, to, to live um, in attentive, you know, loving attentiveness, the presence mm-hmm. of God and the presence of our neighbors. Like that is the fruit of it. So and, and another way of saying it, it's love. Mm. It's love. You know, the greatest commandment, you know, love your Lord, the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Prayer is the means to the end mm. of that. We don't just pray just to get through a religious obligation of practice. Right. We do it so that we can be formed in love, mm-hmm. formed in the way of Jesus. And so to that end, um, which is why when I, when I hear about people who pray a lot, but their lives are not being moved into greater love. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something really missing here, mm-hmm. our approach. There's something missing around uh, why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. because the ultimate end, I think, is loving attentiveness to God and to our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And would you say <clears throat> that there's an element of like what you focus on, you become? Yeah. Um, there is a woman um, uh, named Maggie... Um, Maggie uh, Ross, uh, she's an Anglican. She wrote a book called Silence, a User's Guide. Hmm. Um, and I hope I'm getting the name right. Silence, User's Guide. It's not a user's guide. It's not, but she contends that the most important word in the Bible is the word behold. Hmm. 
and she goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away mm. the sins of the world. Like the all, you know, behold, I make all things new. So she goes from wow. Genesis to Revelation cool. and says, the word behold is the most important word in mm. the Bible for her. And she makes her theological case. And the importance that this is connected to prayer. And I think that's what, that's, we become what we behold. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we are beholding the news 24 mm. seven, don't be surprised if you're filled with anxiety and mm-hmm. that becomes what you, your reality. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're beholding the beauty of Jesus as revealed in scripture, as revealed in silence through the spirit, um, I think we become like Jesus. And so, um, yeah, we, we, whatever we behold, we inevitably become. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is also Second Corinthians 4. Uh, so yeah, I think prayer is at its core about what are we choosing to behold. Mm-hmm. So when you think of then uh, beholding an outcome, yeah, uh, or beholding a this is this is what I need from you, yeah, it changes then the ways that, as opposed to I'm just here to meet with God, yeah, yeah. full stop, like you said, yeah, and and I do think that within the kind of evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatic tradition that I'm from. Swinging that pendulum in that direction is really important. Mm. Um, I think the the default mode is, I need this, I need that, I need this. But what if it was being with God, not at the expense of not, because I do think, like Jesus tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. But, But notice the order. The, the he doesn't have a start our prayer that way. Mm-hmm. He has a start with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our Father relationship. Hallowed. There's you're you're sacred. You're holy. There's there's reverence. There's awe. There's contemplation. And then there's hey, I need some daily bread too as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the order is really important. And so beholding. That, that's that's and that's not to say that we're emotional robots either. I think there are moments of great distress where the only thing we know what to do is mm-hmm. to cry out to God for deliverance, mm-hmm. cry out to God for for God to intervene. Uh, and I and I don't think God goes, you didn't, you weren't silent with me. <laughs> this doesn't <laughs> right. count. Yeah. Um, so I do think there are moments where the natural response mm-hmm. is, Oh Lord. How long? Oh, Lord, deliver me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to make space for those moments. But the normal kind of way that we approach God, um, as one is the building of friendship, I, I think is one that desperately needs uh, a fresh emphasis, especially in the particular tra- traditions that we find ourselves in. Yeah, and so good. I mean, there's ways, I like the order thing that you just mentioned yeah. is so valuable because there's so many ways that... I might come in with like, God, I need this, and almost anxious. Yeah. yeah. But then if I can, I can come and sit in His presence. There's an element of trust and like, yeah. okay, you are a good God. You can, you hold all things together. Yeah. You are thinking about and working on this and care about me and all the, you know, my yeah. life more than yeah. I do. Yeah. That then I when I do get to the request part, it comes out of a place of trust. Yeah. In His timing or a. I'm not quite so anxious in my requesting. Yeah. 
And what's and what's interesting about that, if I because my primary way has been contemplative prayer, I I'm sensing God calling me to swing the pendulum a little bit to the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, why the question I ask myself is why do I often have a hard time praying big prayers? Mm-hmm. I think I know the reason because I don't want to be disappointment disappointed when it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so my fear of praying for something and then not getting it can inhibit me from asking for this daily bread, mm-hmm. asking God big prayers. And so for some folks, that's all they know, big prayers. And so God becomes like this cosmic Venmo account. Mm-hmm. I need, yeah, just deposit this into my account here. And I think for that person, let's swing the pendulum and say, mm-hmm. what does it mean to cultivate friendship and stillness with God? But then for those who tend to live in that space there, what does it mean to... Ask God for some big stuff. Yeah. Trusting he's a good father mm-hmm. and trusting he wants to provide for his children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the deeper issue there is, am I willing now to pray um, knowing that it might not happen, but that's not going to stop me from asking. Yeah. Um, just like my children. My children have a, don't have a hard time going, can I have ice cream? Every day they ask me for ice cream. I just <laughs> say, no, you know, the answer is no. <laughs> And it doesn't stop them. They're they're asking big prayers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Every day I want an ice yeah. cream. And the answer is no, but they're, they keep coming back. And it, what does it look like for us to keep asking big prayers? So I think some of it is just like this, this pendulum swing. For some who tend to emphasize the being with God, we might need to ask for. Mm, so good. And then there's stuff that they only know God as a long laundry list that they need. You know, what does it mean to prioritize stillness and silence? Mm-hmm. Um, have you... Let's, let's break it down to even some of the things that I think I and you as a pastor might have uh, good questions about. But like, I, what about when prayer is boring? Yeah. You know, we like to present it as if it's never boring. You know, uh, one of the ways that, that we grow in prayer is by normalizing boredom. And what I, what I mean that when I say boredom is that prayer often is uneventful that in the mm-hmm. moment we now here's here's how we i i you know I, i'm all for worship music i'm all for you know stuff to help me get into the mood and all that stuff there good vibes prayer but vibes prayer vibes <laughs> i'm all for that yeah. but if the only way i can pray is if i'm getting good prayer vibes i wonder if like hmm which leads me to something brendan manning said do i worship god or do i worship my experience of god mm which is a really important distinction to make. If I worship my experience of God, how do I know I'm doing that? Well, when the good feelings are not there, I don't pray anymore. So boredom is one of the ways, normalizing boredom is one of the ways that we grow in our life with God. Um, You know, Ron Rollheiser tells a story in one of his books. Um, He says, imagine that um, you are um, visiting your mother at an assisted living facility and you show up after work every day. And the nature of the conversation for a year is, hey, mom, here, here are the kids. The kids are doing okay. You're, the, the food is getting cold. Here's what's happening in the world. And he asked the question, in a given year, how many stimulating conversations do you think you've had with mom in the assisted living facility? And uh, one, two. And then he says, and yet, even though you have not had any stimulating, exciting conversations with mom, you more than anyone else, no mom deeper than anyone. 
Hmm. And I think that's what's happening when we normalize boredom. Um, It might not feel like anything's happening, but something is happening Hmm. deeper beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And it is often in retrospect, as we look back, we go, oh, wow, I I, I didn't perceive it in the moment. But as I look back, I see something has happened Hmm. in my life with God. And so um, I think boredom is a good thing and very frustrating. But in an overstimulated society like ours, where we, do, we allow social media to do our thinking for us and allow stimulation to be, uh, you know, external stimulation to be the ways that we show up in the world and survive in the world, mm-hmm. I think um, boredom can actually be one of the pathways to a deep and vital and growing spiritual life. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, how would you respond to the person who um, has, feels like, God's, I'm trying to be present to God, but I don't feel God Yeah, in the either a, a sense of presence or like feels absent, feels distant, yeah. feels, how, how do you, how would you respond to that? So I think there's the normal, there's the natural feeling of that. And then there's the interpretation. So the, the feeling of it is um, back to that Brendan Manning quote, do I worship God? Do I worship my experience of God? Um, the vast majority of prayer, we, we might not feel anything. The question is, what do we do with the lack of feeling? And it's here where I think um, allowing Jesus to be the um, the primary image that comes to mind when we think about God mm-hmm. is probably the most important aspect about cultivating a life of prayer. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And uh, Jesus is to heal the false images that we have of God. So when we don't feel God, we come to all kinds of interpretations. God doesn't like me. If God Mm. really loved me, God would give me a sign. I would feel something. I would see something. I would hear something. And because these things haven't happened, that just means God doesn't whatever. And I think Jesus um, is to heal the false images we have of God. Mm. When we behold Jesus in Scripture we see a God who's lovingly attentive to us. And whether we feel it or not, this is what's true. What is true of Jesus is what's true of God. And the more we behold the beauty of Jesus, even though we don't feel it, this is where faith comes in, right? It's just like holding on to what has been declared in Holy Scripture, that Jesus is for me, that nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And whether I feel feel it or not, that's irrelevant. I'm standing on faith here not feelings. And so as, as someone who writes a lot about feelings, I think <laughs> uh, there are points where feelings are really important to be integrated. And then there are points out of our lives where feelings need to be um, boundaried. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're allowing feelings to be the measure of whether God is for us. Or mm-hmm. And at that point, to live according to that kind of kind of measure of God's presence to us is to live a constant up and down. And and what leads to self-manufacturing feelings, mm, good. working things up. Um, uh, so boundary, putting a boundary on feelings at those moments, especially when we're measuring whether God loves us or not or is with us, I think is really important. So good. Um, before, as we finish yeah. here, um, I, I want you to, I'd love for you just to take a moment and, and um and pray 
yeah. pray for anybody listening. Um, and, and, but before you do that, uh, if there was like one thing that you would love to be able to share with somebody who's maybe, maybe never prayed before or like prayer is a new thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we've covered a lot of different things and some of it's like, it's a journey and here's the process and this is where you want to get. But, um, is there any one particular kind of idea that you would say, hey, keep this in mind? Yeah. And then, and then we'll close with prayer. Yeah. I'll say what people like, one of my favorite theologians is a guy named Karl Barth. Um, Thomas Merton is someone I look to often. What the greatest so-called spiritual masters have said about prayer is that no matter how often or how long we've been praying, we're always beginners. Mm. And um, this morning, when I prayed this morning, I had a 15-minute kind of t- quiet time with God in silence and then journaled and all that. I realized I'm such a beginner. We'd never master prayer. Mm. So we're always a beginner. So I, so I think if we think about our journey as we will always, it'll always, it's, it's, we're always starting again. And that's okay. Yes, yeah, so um, It's freeing. It's like, I don't have to. So whether it's Billy Graham or whether it's the person who just became a Christian, for everyone, we're beginners. Mm-hmm. We'll never plumb the depth of God's love. We'll never fully understand what it means to live in his presence. Um, prayer is not a formula. It's about being, sharing presence. So we're always a beginner. And I think if we can just hold that, I think, number one, it, it helps us not live with a sense of self-condemnation, like I never measure up. Mm-hmm. It's like we're all in the same boat here. The most important thing is that you show up, whether you feel like it or not. Yeah. and So good. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I agree with you so much that it's freeing. Even when you said that, I noticed in myself, like there's a freedom there, and there's a, and then it also creates a hunger. Yeah. Like, oh, there's so much more. Yeah. And which is so true. And yeah. we maybe subconsciously, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, so I kind of know. Yeah. Uh, but but there's a freedom in it to stumble mm. and like, oh, why is this boring or why is this, a, yeah. you know, whatever. And then there's a, and yet I want to know Jesus in a greater way. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Oh, will you take this last minute yeah. here and close us and, and pray? Yeah, there's a prayer that I often pray that I think God likes to answer. And it's, Lord, um, give me, by your spirit, by your grace, a deep desire to pray. And when that desire is not there, would your spirit grant me the discipline to show up? And Lord, that's our prayer. Um, Give us deep desire by your spirit. Uh, Maybe hunger for you. And any hunger that we have for you, we know is a gift from you. And Lord, there are times when our flesh just totally dominates. And we don't want to. Uh, uh, be bored and we don't want to have an uneventful time in those moments where it's so easy to get distracted would you give us discipline to show up would you meet us in moments of stillness would you surprise us with moments of grace and lord may our prayers lead to loving attentiveness to you loving attentiveness to ourselves and loving attentiveness to our neighbors and so We pray that you would do all these things in the name of Jesus and through the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rich. Thank you.